And when both of us were much younger than we are today, I told all of the young ladies, whomever I would speak with, I wish they could live around Thetis Tenney and emulate her life. She is so straightforward and so honest in her approach to everything, life, God, and God's people. To think that this young lady chauffeured brother and sister wise around when she was a young girl, Joan, not knowing that today she would be the first lady of the United Pentecostal Churches of the state of Louisiana. I appreciate her so much. She does not know what I'm about to tell her now. Sally Morley. Sister Tenney, you won't hear well back there. I could hardly hear you. Uh, that's not an invitation to leave the platform, but you just won't hear as well back there. Sally Morley said to me not long ago, she said, Sister Mangan, Sister Tenney is one of a kind. She said when they were the missionary directors uh, of the United Pentecostal Churches said she would anywhere she was she'd say do you need my stockings do you need my do you need my shoes and I won't go into the other do you need my powder do you need my whatever I've got that you need you can have it just everything I have you can have it everything I have you can have it just name it and it's yours I thank you for asking me to speak today so many great ladies here. I will rush along. I will not stay on one point too long because there is so much I want to say in this mystery of prayer today. God intends that his true Jesus name, Holy Ghost filled church, not Satan, to be in control in this earth. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, the Apostle Paul explains, Jesus Christ is the supreme authority in the whole universe. He has been exalted far above every name, above all principality and power. He is the governing authority in all creation. All things that are in heaven and all things that are on earth have been placed under his feet, that is, under his absolute dominion. Then Paul says that he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the church, which is the body of which we are a part. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, and he is the head. And all things have been placed under his feet, so the body, the body is where the feet are attached and all things have been placed under his feet. This is not only a functional relationship, the members of a board of directors or of a corporation or it is more than a functional relationship to one another. The church has an organic relationship like an arm or a hand or a foot it is an organic relationship to the body because each member of his body draws its life from his life. So in the same manner, the born-again Jesus name, Holy Ghost-filled believer has an organic relationship to Jesus Christ because my source of life is in him, Jesus. So this church, the church, is not merely an institution ruled by Jesus Christ as the president, but the church is an organism in which the vital connection with him must be. We have our source of life in Jesus Christ. Now here is proof. This organic relationship is foreshadowed or prefigured in the creation of a bride for the first Adam. Among all the lower orders of life, there was not found a fit companion for Adam. None of them partook of his nature that we just heard about. So Adam was put to sleep into a deep sleep, and from a wound in his side, a portion of his own body was taken, and a helper suitable for him was made. 
There was not a being in life who could understand Adam. So there was nobody that knew his plans, nobody that knew his ideals, his aims, his purpose, his will. Nobody could love as he loved, live in the manner that he lived in. So Adam said, now, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is organic relationship. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 44 through 47, Jesus Christ is called the second man or the last Adam. This is an antitype of the first Adam. It was necessary that Jesus Christ, the second man, the last Adam, have a bride. He too, like the first Adam, must go into a deep sleep or death. And from that death and that resurrection, out of his wounded side, the church, through death, burial, resurrection, is born again out of the side of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 21, she is called the bride, the Lamb's wife. In Ephesians 5, verse 30, Paul says, As Eve was of Adam, so we, the church, are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Church now will be the bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This union between Christ and his church is organic. If Jesus Christ has been elevated, if he is the supreme authority in this universe and is now set down on the throne and has all power in heaven and earth, and if we, the church, are his body, we are organically united with him as the head, where does that place this church? According to 1 Corinthians 6 and 7, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verses 5 through 6, after making us alive with Christ, God raised us up together with him and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have been legally enthroned with Jesus Christ. In spite of all of our weaknesses, our failures, our shortcomings, the church is the only force in this world that is contesting Satan's total rule in human affairs. If this church were not here praying, teaching, preaching, fasting, witnessing to hinder Satan, what kind of a hell would this world be? The church wields the balance of power. The church is the trustee. The church is the steward of the gospel of salvation. To the extent that the church is faithful to her trust, to that extent she wields the power that is invested in her, the church. The fate of this world, the fate of the church, the fate of your families, lost souls about you, is in the hands of the saints, the church. I seek to prove this declaration and I turn to Ezekiel chapter 22 verses 30 through 31. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God, because I didn't find anybody that would stand before me and I seek to prove to you that God is depending on you to be the answer to all that we seek in this life. Why does he need you and me? Why does he need help outside himself? Does he need anything which man or any of his other creatures can give him? Could not our great and mighty God who spoke the worlds into existence, could he not have spared these without a man standing before him? Could he not accomplish his purpose without the help of puny man? Then why did he ever devise the plan of prayer? Is it just for you to get and to have? No, it's much deeper. You will always have something to pray about. Why should there be a system of plan or prayer at all? Since God is self-sufficient, it's one of the attributes of God. Why and how did he become dependent 
upon you and me, our intercession. We've got to get in his path. We've got to be involved with him and his purpose and his program. I am to be his bride. I am to be co-equal, co-regent, co-ruler with him. As this lady has assumed her position by the side of the superintendent, she has had to qualify herself to be able to even be the wife of such an executive. Think with me, why is it that God can do nothing in the realm of human redemption apart from human cooperation through prayer and faith? God is helpless without me. The mystery and the design of prayer is pointed out here. A time of national apostasy where I just read. God wanted to avert judgment. He longed to spare the nation. He did not want to bring judgment, but he was helpless. And there are many reasons why he makes himself helpless. He wants an intercessor. He wants somebody to intercede. God cannot withhold his judgment. He cannot save your family without you. He cannot do his work in the church without me. And he needs me. If God Almighty is dependent upon the prayers of a man to spare a nation from judgment, which he himself wants to withhold, when God is Almighty and God is supreme, he is the ultimate judge, he's the jury, he's the executive, he's the enforcement, he's the authority, or is he? If he longs to withhold judgment, why doesn't he withhold it against his people? If he wants to show mercy, why doesn't he show mercy? Why did he not exercise his sovereignty and do so without a man? Regardless whether you do or don't, why doesn't God do it? Why does he have to have me? In other words, since God's will is supreme in all things, when he wills, he plans certain divine purposes, such as the salvation of a soul or of a revival in your church, in any specific area, why doesn't he arbitrarily go over my head and carry out his will? Why did God ever set up a system which made him dependent upon me? This is the mystery that I want to bring to you today. God begs us to pray. God's many pressuring invitations to prayer in his word is sufficient proof that he will do nothing, absolutely nothing in the realm of human redemption Apart from prayer, outside the scheme of prayer and intercession, he will not do a thing. Get it straight, lady. He won't do it. He will not do it. He has more reasons than just giving you what you want. You're headed somewhere, lady. You got to sit by his side someday. He has invited us. He says, entreat me. He says, importune me. He urges. He begs. He even begs you to exercise the privilege of prayer. He begs you. God Almighty is begging you to pray. One translator has paraphrased Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 thus. Ask because I, God Almighty, am asking you to ask me. Seek for I, the Lord God, am entreating you to seek me. Knock for I, the Lord God, am urging you to knock. He can do nothing without our prayers. He's begging you to get involved in this with him. He not only invites, but he urges and exhorts us to pray. And he, more than that, he commands you to pray. He commands you. He commands you to pray. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Matthew 9 verse 38. He himself is the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is his. Why should he stand by helplessly and wait for you to pray people into the harvest? Why is he urging men to pray that he would send reapers into his fields? Why does he send forth laborers only in answer to the prayers of the redeemed, the church, the bride? Say only. Say only. Everybody say only in response to prayer. God categorically promises to answer. The importance of the scheme of prayer in God's economy is emphasized by God binding himself. Unequivocally, he binds himself to you if you'll pray. He says, I will answer. 
Say that with me. I will answer. I will answer. He promises to answer prayers so sweeping and categorical over such a broad spectrum, constituting a carte blanche. Here it is, a blank card, bearing my signature written in my own blood. It's yours. It is as though he handed you his scepter and begged you to use it. Here are some examples, quickly. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, you leave it all alone if you want to, lady. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, you do with all of that what you will. Excuse me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. Listen, folks, I believe that. That's why I don't need somebody kicking me every day and telling me I believe it. And there's more to prayer than you getting what you want. And you're not going to sit with him, preacher's wives, preacher's children, I or nobody else because I'm going to prove to you the scheme of prayer before I get through. We're headed somewhere and my great and wonderful bridegroom has got a way of preparing me to rule with him and reign with him, and I'm not going to rule and reign with him until he puts me through a severe something. And let me just warn you, you'll never be without something to pray about. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Shocked. And then the next word will say, ask. Say it. Hitherto have you asked nothing, and then his next words was ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. As though he was disappointed, and he is. His plan of prayer is watertight. He will never hedge with you. These are categorical promises, meaning they are unqualified or unconditional. No conditions are attached which puts a hedge on God. We are, we are, Somebody come and everything he has is accessible to us, but he's got to put you in the spot to make you do what he's going to make you do. He's going to make you do it. He's going to make you do it. Now the conditions of abiding in him and his words, that's possible, or he would have never said it because he wants you to have more than you want it. If God is not hedging, and that is impossible for him to do, then the entire responsibility of prayerlessness or ineffective prayer falls entirely upon us. The scheme of prayer, so far as God is concerned, say is watertight. God has already done his part. His promise to answer is always circumscribed by his will. But any child of God here wants the will of God. In other words, he gives you this promise. There's no fine print at the bottom. I'm giving you a prayer contract that if you'll ask, I will answer. God proposes, now here's the secret. God proposes, but his holy church, which is to be his bride, say disposes. God's offer of his scepter to his church is a bona fide offer. Through the plan of prayer, God actually is inviting you and me into full partnership with him. Not in making the divine decisions, but in implementing those decisions in the affairs of mankind and in this world. We will the balance of power. Independently of his own will, God makes the decisions governing this world. But he put the responsibility and the authority for the enforcement of that will and the administration of that will entirely upon the shoulders of his church. He made us the power of attorney in this earth. Listen to this. If you don't believe it, listen. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But, say that was to the apostle Peter. But here's another promise repeated to the church in general. Say the church in general. Matthew 18 and 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's putting a lot of power in your hands. Behold, I give unto you power. And when I say power, you say authority. Behold, I give unto you power 
to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. You're my bride. You're my church. I'm maturing you, lady. You will know me well before you sit down on that throne to rule with me all the nations of the world. And I've got a scheme by which I'm developing you and you'll never be without something to pray about because you're going to have guerrilla warfare all the days of your life and you're going to have to learn to pray before you sit down with me. Before you ever sit down with me. You've got all that I want to do in this earth is in your hands, ladies. And nothing's going to happen in your church, in your home, or anywhere around you until you put in force that scheme of prayer. Behold, I give unto you all the power. Say, as my Father hath sent me, and it took those years to prepare me. Now I'm high and lifted up and been given a name which is above every name. That it, my name every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. You think you're going to sit down with him and play twiddly twit here in this life? You're not going to do it, ma'am. As my father hath sent me, I'm sending you with all of the delegated authority that I've been sent with. And whatever I use to get where I got, you're going to have to use that same thing to get where, oh, yes. Whosoever sins ye remit, I'm giving you something for your lost boy. They are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. By intercession, I can remit them or I can retain them. Saul of Tarsus would have never had the experience. I know he was a chosen vessel. But if you think they were praying when Peter was in prison, don't you know they were housed up somewhere praying when that man was on the loose, killing everybody he came in contact with? Whosoever sins you remit, they're going to be remitted. I can bind whatever is aggravating my loved one. I can't, I can't do anything about his will, but I can put enough of pressure on God that God can move on his will and bind everything that is hindering him from salvation. I can do it. God has deputized this church. Jesus says, after the removal of my bodily presence. Now, you, you listen to me. After my body is gone, you're going to take my place and be my representatives. We are his proxies, folks. Has that broken in on you? We are his proxies. We are the power of attorney to do his will, his purpose, his bidding. We are his deputies with full authority to enforce the divine will and program. The deputy here in Alexandria is invested with the full power of the office of his chief and is fully authorized to act in his stead. I have been deputized to act in Jesus Christ's stead. Now, why? Why did God choose to work within this framework of the system of prayer? Why did he place the full responsibility for the enforcement and administration of the divine government of earth and its affairs upon the shoulders of fallen and redeemed humanity? Why will he do nothing in earthly affairs apart from the cooperation of his church? Nothing. Say nothing. That's got to wake you up. He will do nothing apart from us. God has decreed it. All of this vast delegated authority is inoperative. Say inoperative. Apart from the prayers of man. Read Ezekiel that I just read again. Why did God do that? This is the answer to what I'm speaking to you about. Say prayer, prayer. decides my rank in eternity besides just giving me what I want here in this life. It's my badge of rank. When God planned this system of prayer, it was deeper than just a bedtime prayer or a few little minutes of prayer every day. God made this world and the human race to get him, say, an eternal companion. Are you getting it? God is after a bride. He's after an eternal companion. This lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, there was a world made. There was an Adam and an Eve. There was a messianic race that God could bring a Messiah, that that Messiah could get him a bride. Now he has set in motion the scheme of prayer to qualify that bride to be co-ruler co -ruler and co-regent and co-sovereign with him in the world that is to come that's more real than this world. So Ephesians chapter 5 says there is a parallel between God's human and divine marriage programs. 
Verse 32 clarifies this mystery when Paul declares that the partners in the marriage program are Christ and his church. In God's eternal purpose, the church as Christ's eternal companion is to occupy the highest position in the universe short of the bridegroom himself. She will be second only to him. As the bride of the bridegroom, she is to share with universal sovereignty. Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge this world? We're going to govern this world? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge and reward the very angels in heaven? If we suffer with him, we shall always also reign with him. And his suffering was not a headache or a toe ache or a backache. Oh, no. You will have something to pray about until the end. And listen to me now. And he that overcometh, say overcometh, say overcometh, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power. That's it. Say it again. Power over the nations. He that overcometh, say he that overcometh, and keepeth my works. Now listen to this one. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Grant with me to sit with him in his throne. I'm going to sit down with him in his throne. I am the bride of the bridegroom. And he is using the scheme of prayer to qualify you to sit down with him. And to rule and reign with him. I just want this while I'm here. Oh no. The man preached last night about the expediency of the present. That's one thing to get that. But what he's doing when you are breaking, when you are agonizing, when you are suffering, and you say, why doesn't he answer? I'll tell you this. He hasn't seen in you the image yet that he wants to see. When he sees the image of himself in you, he will remove that, but he'll come back again because he's going to make it just like he is through the scheme of prayer. Say, through prayer. I'm going to become like him. I'm going to become like him through the scheme of prayer so he'll always give me something to pray about. And to him that overcometh. Everybody here, I hope you overcome. But without the scheme of prayer, you will never overcome. And prayer and God does nothing. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He made us unto God a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign. Reign. Say reign. That's what I'm getting at. We're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to rule the nations with him. And you're not going to rule the nations with him by just coming into the church. You have got to be a matured Christian before you will ever sit down on that throne and rule and reign with him. We, the redeemed members of the human race, the only race in all creation that was made in the image of God, we will constitute, say, the eternal companion, the bride, the lamb's wife. Since this companion, now here it is, since this companion of his is to share the throne of this universe with her lover and Lord, she must be trained, say trained, say educated, and prepared for her queenly role. That's where you know him. And this lady is going to have to know her man before he and she rule and reign together as king of kings and lord of lords and queen of queens. So you'll always have something to pray about. And it's in your hands. Everything you want is at your disposal. And when he sees that that has developed in you what he wants, that attribute for you to sit down on that throne with him, he will remove that and then he'll come back again, maturing you to sit on the throne with him because the wield, the balance of power, you wield it. It's in your hands. And he's lowered the scepter. He's given you a blank check with his name signed in blood and said, ask, I want you to ask. I'm begging you to pray. I'm begging you to ask. The more you do that, the more you'll be like me. The more you pray and the more I put on you to pray about, the more you'll become like me. And that ought to be your desire more than to even get what you're praying about. Say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 So, prayer. Listen to me. Say prayer. 
is on the job training for my sovereignty. Prayer is on the job training for my sovereignty. By delegating his authority to this church for administrating his decisions and enforcing his will upon earth, God placed this church in apprenticeship, say training. We are in apprenticeship right now. We are going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ by practicing in prayer the enforcement of heaven's business. The church is on the job training for co-sovereignty, co-regent, co-ruler with Jesus Christ, the universal, the universal God over all this entire world. So she's got to earn, learn the art of, say, spiritual warfare. Say, spiritual warfare. Say, overcoming evil forces, preparing for the assumption of the throne, following the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to rule and reign with him, say, forever. I know a thousand years, but we're going to be his eternal companion. And that's why he made a world so he could get a bride that could live with him throughout the eternal ages to come. And all that you're going through with, if you'll turn to prayer, it's developing you, training you, educating you, that you can sit on the throne with him. Don't you see it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Say, he's preparing me to sit down on that throne with him and to him that overcometh, say, through prayer. Prayer is my on-the-job training. Prayer is on-the-job on the training. The more I pray, the more prepared I'll be. I've got to learn the technique of overcoming because just the overcomers are going to sit down with him. Say, just the overcomers are going to sit down with him. And prayer, God has devised a scheme of prayer to give me on-the-job training. He's delegated me authority to enforce his will. Say, he's the head and we're the body. And all things are under our feet. I take authority and power over it. Who, whatever you bind, it's already bound. You just execute my will. You've got, the, you are the power of attorney, lady. Whatever Brother Tenney tells this lady she can do, she can do. Whatever Brother Mangan tells me I can do. He left the country for five weeks one time and I'd never signed, I'd never written a check. He had to go down and make me the power of attorney of anything I wanted to do while he was gone. I could have run off with everything. He made me power of attorney. You are the power of attorney, lady. Lady elect, you're going to stand forth in such splendor and unparalleled glory. I've not seen the ear and not heard. God's making us over and it's going to take prayer to prepare you to sit on that throne with him. Now, in order to enable you to acquire his character, say his character, and in order for you to know him, say know him, and know how, to be a co-sovereign and to take this responsibility and the authority and all of the administration of his decisions of the affairs of this earth. Don't you think you better talk to him? Don't you think if you want to know what your husband wants you to do that you'd have to get the message from somewhere? Listen to me. How many times does he use earth? Say earth. He's there and bodily. We are here. Listen, in this area of action, this earth, he told us, he said, bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Say, loose on earth. Say, agree on earth. Oh, I liked what Brother Urshan said about that last night. I'll never forget it. You jo I joined hands with two ladies today in the prayer room in Alexandria for something, and I said, now let's agree again together. We'll not let up because God told me that I could and I'm going to step in that arena no matter if I get put flat on my back with something I'm going to still be in that arena say you said you would if I would and we bound together and we said we're not going to let up until say until say until now while we're doing that God's a changing me and I'm a seeing things and I'm feeling things and I want to say hurry and get it done get off of my back I can't stand this load any longer it's killing me it's destroying me and God whispers back and says yes but I'm preparing you to sit on the throne with me I've, I've walked that road before. I've been there before you ever got there. Now I'm sit down. Say, now I'm sit down. And to him that overcometh, you're going to sit down with me. But you're not going to sit down with me until you overcome and you're not going to overcome till you learn to pray. You're not going to overcome till you learn to pray. And there's no way to get it without praying. Say, it's God's plan from all eternity. 
to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me. God may God fixed that before before there was ever a world. He hath chosen us, say us, in him before the foundation of the world. That's the most beautiful scripture in all the world to me. I'm chosen in him. I'm organically a part of him. <laughs> it's not just that I'm a secretary and you're a president and this one. No, I'm bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. I'm organically, I'm organically tied into him. He's the head, but we're the body. All things are under his feet. That's our feet because we're the body and they're attached to the body. Hallelujah. Tread on serpents, bind, loose. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. This was God's eternal, original purpose before a human being was ever brought to this planet. God's prayer program is his method of preparing the bride for her future queenly role. So God wants you to have what you're asking for, but say he wants more than that. He wants me to be an overcomer in this thing. He wants me to be a matured Christian in this thing. He's preparing me to rule and reign, and I'm even going to judge angels. Say angels. And I've got to go through an awful lot to be able to judge angels, judge men, and rule and reign with him and sit down with him. He's not going to have a wife that's not equal with him intellectually, emotionally, all of that. I am on the job training right now, and prayer is the scheme he's used to qualify me to sit down on the throne with him. Say, that's an overwhelming weight of responsibility that is given to that woman in this earth. This is why when she fails, say, when she fails, he waits. Say, he waits. Say, he waits. You might as well get it. You might as well get it, mama. You might as well get it, preacher's wife. You might as well get it, Sister Mannion. You might as well get it, church in Alexandria. God does nothing apart from you. When you wait, he waits. When you want, he wants. When you do, he does. This is why he will do nothing in the realm of human redemption until you accept your responsibility and use your privilege of intercession. Say intercession. If she will not pray, God will not act because this would abort his purpose from before the foundation of the world. He's going to bring this church into her full potential as his co-sovereign. This was God's plan from the very beginning and he'll not spoil it or abort it now by taking things out of her hands. Say her hands. He put it in the church hands. Say he put it in the church hands. And he's not going to take it out of her hands. He's not going to take it out of her hands. It's in your hands, wife. It's in your hands. It's in your hands, church. I can't believe that you won't believe that. It's in your hands. It's all in your hands. It's in the hands of that church. Say, it's in my hands. My children's lives being worked out. Our church having a revival. It's in our hands. He put it in the hands of the church and he's not going to take it out of her hands. He will let this whole world go to destruction before he'll take it out of her hands because his part of the work of redemption is full and complete. He will not override his church. His eternal purpose is the qualifying of his eternal companion. Now, is that got through to you? His eternal purpose is the qualifying of his eternal companion. This is not just a slipshod talking in tongues and getting into a little uh, emotional rim. God's going to have a lady that can sit down by him that knows his plans, knows his feelings, loves like he loves, prays like he prayed, teaches like he taught, loves them, has compassion on them. It's all qualifying you. That's his eternal purpose. She can be qualified only through her apprenticeship of prayer and intercession, and God will do nothing apart from his church. So prayer is the main business of this church. That's why John Wesley said, God will do nothing but in answer to prayer. Say nothing but in answer to prayer. S.D. Gordon said the greatest thing anyone can do for God and for man is to what? Pray. Then he said you can do more than pray after. Say after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Then he said, prayer is striking the winning blow, but service is gathering up the results that prayer did before you went out there to get it. 
Ian Bounds said, God shapes the world to prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon this earth. If these things are true, then prayer should be the main business of every one of us every day. This church holds the key. I'm sorry. This church holds the key. This church, you're right, lady. This church holds the key. I hold the key. What has been delegated to me? Whatever you bind, I'll bind. I'm going to be in there binding some things that's got a hold of some people that I want broken. And when I break that, I can bind that strong man and walk in there and take a hold. And then I have qualified myself to sit down with him. You understand? I'm getting what I want, and then I'm qualifying myself to sit down with him and to be an overcomer in him. Listen, this church, this church, this church holds the key. Checks used by some business firms say require the signatures of two individuals to make them valid. Oh yeah, probably Brother Mangan and Brother Erickson in Alexandria. One signature say is not enough. Both parties say must sign. God's promises are his checks signed in his own blood. His part say was completed at Calvary. All he did at Calvary is accredited to this church. Everything he accomplished, everything he got and did at Calvary is accredited to me. It's mine. But I'm not going to get it just wishing for it. Did you get that statement? You, go, you don't even understand the profoundness of that statement. All he accomplished at Calvary blows my mind. And that's accredited to this church. But he is not going to give it to her, but he longs to. He begs her to come on and take it. He urges her. He said, if you'll seek, if you'll ask, as I was sent, I've sent you. You'll have power and authority. You can bind and you can loose, but you're not going to just sit around and get it. I'm preparing some woman to sit down on the throne with me, and she's got to know me and know me well and be my equal. Be my equal. Be my equal. Keep up with your husband. Keep up with him. He, she's got to be my equal, and she can't be until she learns to what? No promise is made good until a redeemed man. Now listen, all that God promised is no good. That's just say one signature. Say that's just one signature. I'm God's earth partner. He made a contract with me that's more powerful than the one he made with Abraham. And if you want to say just as powerful, until I enter the throne room and by prayer, say by prayer and by faith, I write my name by the side of his name. And I can. And I don't need you to tell me I can. He's already told me I can. He's already signed that check, but he's waiting for me to sign it. He, it was carte blanche to me. But he told me if I'd walk into that prayer room and walk into that throne room that just an angel can't go in there, Sister Tenny, he gets to keep the door. He just gets to keep the door, but I can go in there boldly because I am on training to be his wife. And he'll lower the scepter to me. He'll lower the scepter to me. Hallelujah. And when I write my name by the side of God's name, say it's like a safety deposit box in a bank vault. The keeper has a key and say, I have a key. Neither key alone will open the box. But you give that keeper of that bank your key. And he or she will insert both keys. Say both keys. And then the door flies open and there are the treasures. He's already got his key. He wants your key. And when both keys are inserted, the treasure house of heaven is opened up and you've got on the job training. You've got on the job training. Heaven holds the key to the decisions of governing the earthly affairs, but we hold the key by which, say, those decisions are implemented. Heaven's already decided it, but I got to implement it. God did not want to do it, but man had to be qualified, and a man had to stand in the gap, and God would be making a man while he uh, was in the path of averting judgment. Now, God said, I don't want to, but I couldn't find anybody. Does that tell you that God will if you will and he won't if you won't? God has, God has said that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I know it will be a sovereign act of God, 
But let me tell you something, folks. Any, any revival's always been undergirded by prayer. Undergirded by prayer. You can do a lot of things after you pray, but you can't do nothing until you have prayed because this is a supernatural, miraculous, It is enforcing his will. Now, don't tell me you're too busy to pray because all redeemed humanity, whatever, I don't care if it's your job, your family, pleasure, if we fail to pray, we are not only cheating God and the world, but we are cheating ourselves. For by failure to pray, we are frustrating God's purpose of all the ages. We are robbing the world of God's best plan. We are limiting our rank in eternity. When we fail to pray, you are limiting your rank. I was warm this morning, so I went home at noon to change clothes because I knew it would get warm. I walked in the prayer room, and there was Anna, and she sits here today. Catholic girl, kicked out by her family, and uh, she is married to a Vietnam casualty, Terry, who lives in a wheelchair. And there I saw her face looking up, and she had been there for God knows how long. And she was leaving there, and she would be teaching a Bible study, and she is teaching it to one lady who is going to be something for the kingdom of God. And so there was that face, and I said again, and she looked at me, and I walked over there, and I knelt by her, and we began to weep uncontrollably together. We joined hands, and I said, Anna, I agree with you again, because she's been my prayer partner for weeks. I said, Anna, I agree with you again. That's your family. She began weeping. She said, Sister Mangan, no matter what my father has been, I claim my family for God and I bind everything that is hindering them. I bind everything that is hindering them and said, you bind with me and don't you let up because said Brother Urshan said last night that we will agree together and we won't stop agreeing until we get what we want from God. I looked over the way and there was Sister Dean, a retired officer's wife. And this retired officer's wife used to be his drinking partner. Now he doesn't have a drinking partner anymore. He's moved down to Baton Rouge and she and her son are still there in the church. She was getting in a three-hour prayer shift. There was her face turned up and she said, but this is qualifying me to sit on the throne with him who is greater than father, mother, sister, brother, or husband. And she said, when God gets through with me, my husband and I will be rejoined and our home will be put back together in the ideal manner. Sister Marcella, Billy looked up at Brother Mangan and she said, Brother Mangan, I don't even want Sister Mangan to see me in this little old house that I'm about to leave this world in. I don't want her to see me that, down to about 75 pounds. But she said, Mama, she said, God has done a work in me. Now I'm ready to sit on the throne. She looked at Brother Mangan and she said, Brother Mangan, I share with you something so sacred. She said, I've already been there. I got to the landing. I saw the holy city. I saw Jesus emerging and coming out to meet me. And I heard voices behind me. And I turned to see, and they were, they were people carrying the most beautiful packaged uh, gifts. And she loved things done beautifully and so pretty, so pretty. If she had one fault, it was that she got upset when things were untidy and things were not done well. She wanted it done well. And these gifts were wrapped so beautifully. And she said, I said, Lord, who are these? And he said, Billy, that's your prayers and that's your works. And all that you've done since a child. You prayed an hour every day. You took care of your mother. You wrote her every day. You now, by doing all of that, you have developed yourself to where I'm bringing you home to me. Now, this is what he told her. He said, I'm bringing you home to me because you're perfected now. You're perfected. You've prayed your last prayer, and it's qualified you. You're going to sit down on the throne with me because you've been an overcomer. Somebody shouted hallelujah. My voice won't let me. I got to make it through. Prayer will bring me through. I got to sit down with him somewhere or other. I got to sit down with him. 
Oh, Laverne, you're going to make it. Oh, yeah, Flo, you're going to make it. She lives in a mansion in Alexander, that little old Flo does there, and she's overcoming something, and she's using prayer to do it. Let me tell you this in closing. Been a little different approach to prayer, hasn't it? But I was in the back of the church not long ago, and I was so tired. I was so weary. I said, God, I've never said this, but if I let up praying, I'm a goner. And I've never found a place to stop praying because there's always something just shoving me on. Like that, like, like Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, that lamb that went to slaughter. Like any Leviticus that answers to that when the priest put his hands on that lamb and just they crushed it. I could just feel that crushing process going on. And I said, I'm just so tired. I know I can't let up praying. I know I can't let up fasting. I know I can't let up being faithful. I've got to keep her running. I said, I almost, I, I don't want to be lost. You understand? I don't want to be lost. I'm telling the Lord that I don't want to be lost. And if I let up, I don't know where I'll wind up. And I said, I just wish I had never been born. And a voice spoke to me. And I've never had a voice speak to me and said, no. Said the marriage supper of the Lamb will be worth it all. <laughs> said the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> the marriage supper of the Lamb will be worth it all. When you and I get together, when you and I get together at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's going to be worth it all. That'll outdo Brother Mangan. That'll outdo my son. That'll outdo all of my love with every one of you. But he's giving me on-the-job training now by what? By prayer. Oh, hallelujah. It'll be worth it all. I got to make it to the marriage supper, and then I'm going to overcome and say, Sinner, that's it. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Don't stop. Don't bring your hands down. Isn't that beautiful? Four flap, yeah. Hallelujah, there it is. There it is back there. They're going after it. There's some more in here that's going to go after it. There it is. It's happening. There it is again. It's happening. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand if you want to, do what you want to do. I've got a long way.